coming of God in human form. John is one of the disciples. He was probably one of the uh, youngest disciples. And uh, he's written this gospel, the gospel of John. And um, I was thinking about that because I was thinking about how he came to write it. And John, you probably know this, but I'll say this anyway. Uh, he knew that Matthew, Mark, Luke had, uh, had already been written. And John um, was an older man when he wrote his gospel. He was probably my age, maybe older, maybe 60, 70, I don't know. Um, and he knew that Peter had already written, and Peter probably, he was the fisherman, he was the impetuous one, he probably thought, I've got to get this thing down. Uh, some called one of his mates over and said, can you write for me, because I don't really know how to write. And he, he probably wandered up and down his cave and said the story as he saw it. And that was Peter's gospel, that is Mark, probably. And then there was uh, Matthew who wrote his gospel for the people who were never Jewish. They, didn't, they, they were Jewish, excuse me. And so he was trying to interpret, how can God, the Messiah, become human? Because the Messiah we were expecting was going to come and take over the world and conquer the Romans and smash them out and give us a new place. Uh, it didn't work out that way, so it can't be God. And Matthew wrote and said, well, God is extraordinary and God does things very unexpectedly. And yes, there were prophetic words in the Old Testament that we read again and again and again. And this one who was foretold stood up in the synagogue on his 30th birthday, maybe a little bit after, and he said, I have come to set the captives free. And the words that are written 600 years before in Isaiah have come to be. Matthew wrote to the Jewish audience. And then Luke, who was a doctor, realized that there were a lot of people who didn't speak that language. They, he didn't speak, they didn't speak the language of the Jews. They didn't understand the symbolism of Judaism. And because Jesus had come for all people, he said, I'm going to write down the story of Jesus, how he became flesh, and his life, and his teaching, and his life, his resurrection, his death, crucifixion, resurrection. I'm going to speak about it and help people who are not from the Jewish background understand that. So that's what he did. And so John, you know, he, he hung out in Ephesus for a long time. He went as an exile to Patmos, which is not a bad place to be on exile. And he, uh, you go there now and there's a cave that commemorates John and it's all gilt-edged and it's little nonsense. But anyway, he, there was a mountain there with a monastery on top. Um, I ran down that mountain under a full moon. It was amazing. Anyway, John probably wrote Revelation there. And I was thinking about John sitting there or somewhere and going, I've got these three accounts of Jesus. What am, how do I write about what has changed my life? How do I put this into words in a way that's not just telling the story like Matthew, Mark and Luke? How can I give expression to this? How do I make the unbelievable believable? How do I make what you can't describe described in words? And so thinking through all of that, maybe one day the Spirit of God stirs in him and he goes, the word was in the beginning. The word was God. And the word hovered over creation. And the Spirit of God spoke a word and all creation came into being. 
And he goes from there to the place where he says, and that word that was spoken at the beginning of creation became flesh. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And John's a young, young man when he first comes across this guy. Somewhere along the coast of Galilee, rumors begin to emerge of this man out of Nazareth who's doing remarkable things. And they blow down with the wind into the shores of Galilee and John and his friends and Peter, Simon, James, get wind of this. And like everybody else in the neighborhood, when they, when they hear about it, he's coming, he's, he's in our town. They go and they watch and they listen. And there's something about him that's different. There's something about him that stirs them. Because they've been raised, they've gone through Sunday school, they've gone through Torah, they've gone through synagogue stuff. And it all seems pretty dry. In fact, nobody's rarely said they've heard from God for 400 years. And something in them is unsettled and something in them stirs when they see this man. They have no paradigm in which to fit what they are seeing. Maybe he's just another charlatan. So they're suspicious. They don't give him everything. They just watch. But then they hear that Mabel, who lives next door and has been paralyzed all her life, went to this man and this man healed her and they've seen Mabel and Mabel said to them, look. And then they knew the other guy in the other town because it's not far away and he was, he was full of weird behavior and he was touched by this man Jesus and they went and they saw, look, He's free. He's healed. So they talked among themselves. And John's very young. He listens to the older men. He listens to the women. And then they're fishing and this Jesus comes to the shore and calls them out. And they're kind of nervous because he's, he's getting quite important and they're just fishermen and they don't really know what's going on. And he says, can I borrow your boat? Sure. I just need to speak to the crowd and I need to get a little away from the crowd because they're going to get pushing me in the water and it's not time to walk on water today. So he sits in the boat and he talks to the crowd and they think it's pretty impressive. I mean, the way he's speaking, we've never heard anybody speak like this. Something about him. The word was made flesh before their eyes. God. With them.
people who spoke about God before in their experience talked and talked and talked and talked. And all they showed about God was he's got this big book and there are a lot of rules. He's an angry God. You better be afraid of him and you better keep the rules. And we are the rule keepers and you listen to us and he also wants your money. Wasn't a pretty picture. The religious people were pretty much in bed with the Romans and they all connived to squeeze the poor people. And this one, Jesus, is in their boat and they've given up time. They're tired. They've worked all night and they caught nothing. They're pretty discouraged. And, and yet he wanted to use their boat, so they gave them boat. And he finished talking and he turns to them surprisingly and he says, Why don't you go and fish? And they go, you don't catch fish on a Tuesday morning in Galilee. We fish at night. You don't fish during the day. Because the fish go into the deep. There was something in his demeanor. He said, okay, we'll do it. In front of all these people who knew them. They go a little further out and they cast a net out and they probably to themselves said, just humor the guy. The first throw. Suddenly the net's bulging. They look at each other. We've never seen this in our lives. And they have to call their friends and get another boat because they've never caught so many fish so close to shore, ever. It's never been heard of. And they look at the guy who's sitting and I think he's smiling and laughing at them and says, you lent me your boat, I give you fish. That's the God the Father that I'm revealing, the Word made flesh. I bless you. I bless you. I'm not full of rules. I love you. I'm here for you. I don't think John ever forgot that. Because a while later Jesus says to them, you guys, do you want to follow me? You can fish at night in Galilee or you could follow me and see what, see what happens. Those simple, uneducated fishermen, men's men, left their nets and said, absolutely, let's go. They had no idea where they were going. They didn't know what would happen. But the Word made flesh met them. And something about the living God spoke. And they began to follow this one. Jesus and they watched him and they were amazed and their hearts pounded inside and they were so proud to be his friend 
And when they walked through the towns, people would say, Are you with him? I said, yep, yep, he's our friend. You need a healing? Come and see him. They were proud to be friends of Jesus because Jesus was a celebrity in Galilee at the time. The word made flesh was good news. He was healing the sick. He was casting out demons. He was forgiving people. He was challenging the religious rulers of the day. Nobody did that. But when you spoke to him, the love was amazing. You felt like you were the only person in the world. And they said, I give, I give my life for this. Time went on. Saw him feed the 5,000. I mean, they got to be part of it. He gave them bits of scrap and said, feed them. And they went, how do you do this? Terrified, embarrassed, awkward, nervous, they sort of humored him again and suddenly the multiplication happened. And then they looked like heroes. I've never seen anything like this. And one day he said to them, you guys can do this as well. He said, I'll send you out. He called 72 people and he sent them out and he said, you go heal the sick and cast out demons in my name. You can't do it yourself, but do it in my name. I authorize you. So they went out. And people said, are you friends of Jesus? He heals the sick. And they said, yeah, we are. Well, I've got somebody sick here. And they said, oh, we don't do that. And they said, no, we've been told to do that. And they did it nervously. In the name of Jesus, I, I, I speak healing over you. And the person was healed. And they went, do you see that? It's true. The word was made flesh in them. For a moment. And time went on and Jesus said, I've got to talk to you guys. This honeymoon can't go on forever. I'm not just here to love everyone and heal the sick. I'm here to break down the very basis for sickness in this world I'm here to overcome the one who ravages you the one who is at the root of your addictions the one who, who is responsible I didn't understand all of that much of it anyway and he said I'm going to have to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to die and they couldn't fathom that they couldn't fathom an end to what was going on here. How could you? How could there be God and you do this? John remembered that. It stuck deep in him. He's, he'd reflected for years on these things. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John and he came as a witness to testify concerning that light. This is John the Baptist. So that through him all men might believe and he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. And John's thinking of these things as he writes, and he was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. How 
how does God convince you and me that he is real? How does God convince you that he absolutely adores you and you are special to him? How does he do that? How does he speak to these people? Do you want to put the next video on, please? It's your time of the year, Jesus! Wow, thanks guys, but this is a little weird. Weird? What do you mean? We do this every year. Yes, but I haven't seen you all year. Well, now's your time to shine, Jesus. Yeah, you put the Christ in Christmas. Well, yeah, you're the reason for the season. <laughs> yes, but I don't want to be the reason for just this season. I want to be with you in every season of your life. Oh, that is so sweet, Jesus. Thank you for being born. You're such a cute little baby. Oh, wait okay, but I'm not a baby in And I'm not in a manger. Okay, I'm in a manger. But it's more than that. I want a relationship with you every day. Well, Jesus, you have Easter to look forward to. Yeah, and technically a day on the flagpole of prayer, right? Oh, and Thanksgiving, kind of yours too. Yeah, but I want more than just the holidays, guys. I want an everyday relationship with you. Jesus, you are in my life every day. I mean, I've got a cross on my wall and a fish on my car. Yeah, I mean, Jesus, we know you're here all year long. If you know I'm here all year long, why do you keep treating me like I'm not? Do you still have that plastic, Jesus? How does God speak to a culture that has trivialized him? How does God speak to your heart today and say to you, when the word becomes flesh, I no longer am an abstraction. I come to you and I call you by name. I call response from you. And I won't be packed up with Christmas decorations. I'm not your plaything. I am the living God. I am good news. Unless you turn from me, then I become bad news. I become your judge. And John's remembering this as he's writing. And he says, you know, we might say, oh, but if Jesus was in front of me, I wouldn't reject him. You would if he looked like me. Or if he looked like you. You'd make an excuse. You say, oh, well, I wasn't expecting him to be like that. So what would God have to do to persuade you? What are you still holding out for? He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children, listen to this, 
born not of natural descent. In other words, you cannot inherit it. Children born not of natural descent. Nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, and the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And John's thinking through his life, and he's thinking through the way that he wrestled with this Jesus and yet he couldn't push away and in fact he got to that place where he had walked intimately with Jesus for a couple of years and he was called the one whom Jesus loved he had leaned against the chest of Jesus in what he didn't realize was the last supper And then he ran away with the rest when the crucifixion happened or before the crucifixion and he in fact was the only one who stood at the cross watching Jesus die. And Jesus, you remember, said, John, behold your mother, mother, behold your son. The youngest kid on the block. The word made flesh on the cross says to him, Take care of her. To the end, he wasn't about himself. Changed John's life. He was never the same again. The catching of the fish, the dying on the cross, and then they gathered and the tomb's empty and this word made flesh is risen and he comes walking through a wall and he says to them hi guys and they're Jesus I thought you were dead he said yeah but that's your realm I'm not that realm I'm the son of God here touch this isn't an ordinary story about an ordinary historical event about a pathetic little God who's just our creation John says God took the initiative and God stepped in and God did something and by the time we had got angry and said I don't want a God who tells me what to do I want a God who's going to be what I want him to be I want to go to church on Sunday and don't you dare tell me what to do how to do it or when to do it I want a God who serves me I want an idol I want a plastic Jesus and John said that's not what we had we had a living God We saw his glory. And everything we did to resist that, he just rose up out of it and said, I've come to bring about change and you need rescue and I'm going to do it whether you like it or not. And I'm going to love you whether you like it or not. And I'm going to invite you into my courts whether you like it or not. It's my idea. And John says a few verses later, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. And that Jesus said, Come to me. Come to me. All you are weary and heavy laden, come to me, and I will give you rest. 
I don't think I'm going to say much more. But John wrote his gospel to say to you and to me 2,000 years later, you don't have to wish you were alive when I was alive to know this God. Because he's giving you himself right now. If you were to come up here now and talk about Jesus, what would we hear? It's not to convict you in a, in a negative way, it's just where, how are you doing? Watch this clip. This is the word made flesh that I pray God will infect us with. It's a comedian called Steve Harvey. I put it on the blog. Some of you might have seen it, but I could watch this 15 times. Let's see how it goes. You know something, y'all? My life been so good. Really, just follow me on this. I thought this would be hot. Uh, you know, I've introduced some of the biggest. Just before he does this, I just need to tell you this. Uh, he does a sketch about, um, I think, church people, and he he they they're doing a sort of joke about the organist. So the the guy on the piano is pretending to be, you know, Mrs. Fontaine who plays the organ in a church. So that's why he's wearing that funny thing on his head. Excuse me. And greatest names in show business. My career been good, man. Uh, God done a lot for me in 20 years. Really has, man. I done bought out some names, man. You know, when you're in this business, you know that matters. What you do counts in this business. We just talking about what I do for a living. It may not count on my trip to heaven, but it count in the business that I'm in. And everybody like recognition for their work. You want a promotion on your job, you want awards, you want to get plaques, you want to be number one, you want to be in the president's club, the top sales, you want to be an employee of the month so you can park close, all that. Everybody, everybody want reward for their work. I ain't no different. I'm just sitting here saying that my, my career, man, been amazing to me. And what's gotten me to this point tonight, after 20 years, to be able to stand here, cuss free, you don't, you don't even know where I'm at right now. Tell me, man. And having uh, introduced some of the biggest names in the world, 
from secular music to gospel. I hosted Showtime at Apollo longer than anybody. I done won nine NAACP Image Awards. I won NAACP Entertainer of the Year. I've hosted the BET Awards. Me and Sayed started that. I've hosted the Essence Awards. I've hosted BET Comedy Awards. I've hosted every celebration of gospel that they've ever had. I was sitting up thinking to myself, and just go with me on this. This is just me again with that third eye just wondering what some would be like. I was wondering. Just in my imagination of the ultimate introduction that if I had the chance to bring out Jesus I was thinking what would I say with this third eye with my ability as a comedian what would I say if somebody let me introduce him? Because he going to get introduced one day. It's what my mama has always My mother taught me as 36 years of a Sunday school teacher that Jesus was going to come back one day. I believe that through every piece of hard time I'd have had. When y'all see me on tape and it don't look like I know him, trust me, I know him every day. There's no way I could have got here without him. What I believe has gotten me here, this is real talk. So if you will just imagine with me if I had the pleasure of bringing out Christ. This is just how I would do it. It ain't got to be the way you do it. You might not think it's just right, but this is how I would do it. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to introduce a man who needs no introduction. His credits are too long to list. He has done the impossible time after time. He hailed out of a manger in Bethlehem, Jerusalem, by way of heaven. His mother is still headlining in the Catholic Church today. Oh, the best seller 
What stirs in you? What comes to life at that? What happens if God, the word made flesh, says, can you talk to me about me like that? Do you want to? Aren't you sick of apologizing? Aren't you sick of being afraid? Aren't you sick of doubting? Aren't you sick of being embarrassed about me? Because I've stood up for you all the time. You want this year to be a year where you stand up and you rise up and you say, I'm a friend of Jesus and he's a friend of mine and I don't apologize, but I'm not going to speak it in an obnoxious way. I want the Spirit of God bearing witness to that in the way I speak and the way I carry myself. That's what John's writing about. He said, that's the one who changed our lives that little band of twelve. As I write now, there are churches all over the place where the word is being made flesh and people are discovering that he is alive. And I'm writing for those who come later that they will know too that he is alive. God's spirit is calling you and me deeper into life. Do you want it? John started his word and said, Jesus walked among them and they didn't recognize. If we are consistent with our culture, we'll go home and think about it. If we're consistent with our culture, we'll say, well, that sort of moved me, that wasn't bad. And I'll carry on my life. If we're consistent with the Spirit of God, the word made flesh he actually is standing right in front of you right now and says how about it how about it what happens if everything that's in you that is not of him that rises up to resist and he says, do you want to be a prisoner of that or do you want me to set you free? How about it if the Spirit of God living in a human being becomes as infectious as a disease that spreads flu all over the place? Why is it that we only infect with the negative? What would it be like for the Spirit of God to infect with the positive? That because of the Spirit of God living in you, you have authority to speak healing over people. You have authority to love outrageously. 
You have authority to not take offense and forgive when nobody else will forgive. You have authority to walk out this reconciliation even in this church. And under the Spirit of God, I say to you that reconciliation in this church has only just begun. It has hardly begun. You have authority to bear witness to the Spirit of God that is not normal because your life has been touched by the God who says, I love you. In real time. So, we're at the beginning of 2011. I encourage you to not talk about God in 2011. Don't talk about God. Because God is an abstraction. God is a higher power. God, the word became flesh, is Jesus. Talk about Jesus. Talk about the Father whom Jesus revealed. Get relational, not conceptual. In our counseling sessions, let's stop counseling for week after week after week after week after week about our issues. Let's start saying, what do you want Jesus to do? Where is Jesus here? Let's talk about Jesus. Let's raise him up. You've got problems that aren't working out. Come to soaking prayer and worship him. Do something different this year in your relationship with Jesus and see what happens. Let the word be made flesh and see what happens. What does that mean? I promise you it means this. It means that you stay in relationship with other people and work it out together. And we will see something extraordinary. Absolutely extraordinary. So that we can infect this world with the love of Jesus because he lives in us. That's why Jesus, that's why John could write with such power and passion. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. So I want Jesus to be alive in me more than ever. There's still lots of work to do in me, but I want him to work in me. I want him to give me greater victory. I want to see him working through me with greater power. I want to see him manifest his presence over people's lives so that they get touched and they get changed. Not because I'm anything at all other than a piece of flesh that he can use and inhabit. That's what I want. I want to stand up and speak with passion and eloquence and tears and joy about that Jesus who's my friend, the hope of the world. I want hundreds of people coming with testimonies saying, this Jesus touched my life and I'm proud of him. How do you honestly live without him? How's it working for you with your theory? I want to stand with confidence and boldness and see this church rocking for Jesus and not ashamed. And I also want to have a church and share in a church and be part of a church that we respond to the Word of God and the Spirit of God. I am 
absolutely not interested in entertaining you or me today. I am interested in saying God wants to encounter you and me today. And John had to get up and he had to respond and follow because Jesus said, follow me, and he moved. And so I'm quite convicted, even though I'm a little nervous when I say, I think we maybe need to end the service saying, if you want what I'm talking about, if you want Jesus deeper in your life, if you want the Word made flesh working in you, through you, around you, and you want to give him what is in you, and even if it's nothing, and you go, I don't even know how it's working, and you hear God saying to you, I'm taking the initiative. And what I want to do this morning with every single person here, God's saying, is I want you to either follow me or I want you to walk away. I dare you. I want a response from you. You can say it's John, that's alright, that's an excuse you've used a thousand times. But I, the living God, am asking you for a response. I'm calling you to life. I'm calling you to new places. I'm calling you to deeper relationship. I'm causing you to, calling you to adventures, and I want you to respond. And you can either say no, or you can say yes. So, we could stand up and pray, but I think we should stand up and pray anyway. Yep, let's stand up. But I'm going to suggest for a change, just because I feel like it, and it seems like a good thing. We're going to sing a song in a minute. But, you know, if you, if you feel like, yeah, I, I, I want to do this. I'm actually quite alone up here, and I wouldn't mind some company. So I think, actually, I'm calling you to respond, to either come up here and finish the service singing songs here, or stay where you are. And I'm not apologizing for it, because Jesus says, I love you. I love you, I love you. And I want to get rid of pride, and I want to get it... And, you know, some of you are going to feel awkward and say, John, you're manipulating us. I'm not going to be the only one. And so I don't care. I really am not. It's not. We're going to face that way because we're going to sing a song. This is, this, is not about, this is not about manipulation. Honestly, be whatever. You listen to God's Spirit in you. But sometimes there's something in us that says, I'm not going to do anything. And I go, fine, you do whatever you want. But Jesus, we just come before you and we just say, where we are, we need you. We cry out to you. We want to be a people who count for you. We want to be a people who are made alive by your Spirit. So as you stand, or even where you sit, it doesn't really matter. Just talk to Jesus as we sing the song about him being the center. And, and just say to him, Lord, I just want to have a testimony like... John and the guy who wrote the scriptures and the guy who spoke Steve I want to know you better this year that's why we're standing here Jesus be the center Yeah.